0: I'm a fun guy. You have fun when they finish below 500? I'm just Captain Fun. I guess.
1: Or a captain suit, the show from now on.
0: I don't like to have point. Well, that's called the hook.
1: I don't like it. What the hook How do you you get rid of it?
0: Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Paulie Sibilli, I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you into a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. Two guests lined up for you. Check that. We've got three guests lined up Whoa. for you. John Schmelk coming your way at 12.15, reporter host for the New York Giants. Big win for the Giants in week one of the NFL season. We've got Tim Newton, play-by-play man for Purdue football. He'll join us at 1 o'clock. And then Stephen Bailey coming up at 1.30, Syracuse football reporter for 24-7 Sports. Had him on the TV show last night. We'll have Stephen How Bailey on with us. Uh, it was good. He he came in person. So we eliminated the issues with He Zoom. wasn't
1: pixelated and disappearing?
0: No, no. Two weeks in a row, we, we brought him in the studio. He's going to continue to come in studio to eliminate those right. issues. We did have some issues with uh, Julian Wiggum over Zoom, but... Post-pandemic life. We're I back know. to it, bro. We are. We are.
1: You know... Uh, there, there was a great game in the NFL last night. It was a weird, wonky weekend. I'm in a weird dilemma right now, Steve. Do I want to shut up about Syracuse football? Right? I feel like I'm responsible for keeping the momentum going. <laughs> right? Aren't you a little bit like I don't want to let this go?
0: They're two and zero, right? It has been a it's been a nice start to the season. It's a it's an encouraging start. And as we keep saying, you know, we're going to learn a lot about this team this week. Right. Um, we we said that at the very beginning of the season. We said that with week one, and we did learn a lot. Um, we're going to learn even more. We're going to, you know, it's there's that saying, right? That you know that that once is a fluke, twice could be a coincidence, three times though is a trend. If you are able to win this game, if you're Syracuse, you're able to win this game and play well again. Now it's a trend. Now I think there's reason to believe that this is who you are. Right. And the way I look at it,
1: if they're competitive with Purdue. And they can beat Virginia, who's been bad, and Wagner. Wagner. Four They're 4-1. And, one. And, one, and any of us, any of us would have signed up for that. Yes. And now now I want to talk about a kicker missing a kick on Monday Night Football?
0: Well, it's a long week, Paulie. I mean, today's Tuesday. Uh, we, yes. We have several days to talk it football. 2-0 is
1: a rarefied air.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just the second time under Dino.
1: Yes. It, like It feels like the second time in my lifetime.
0: Yeah, right. It does. It, I mean, it does. <laughs> I understand that. I, I feel the same way. That's been a while since this team is... Since there's been a reason to feel good about this program. And again, the last time was 2018. And this is... You know, it's not a coincidence. This is the the, the next time. Like you know, the last the words, time was 2018 when they went 2-0. and
1: the Saying the word Syracuse 4-1. and What? Yeah. And I'm going to talk about Daniel Jones throwing a bad interception and then coming back and winning a game? Well...
0: Are the Bills looking we, unbeatable? We haven't we haven't talked any NFL. Very or little. Any NFL. of that trash? So today Syracuse would be the day to talk some 0. NFL. And we can talk some Syracuse. If you want to spend the first segment on Syracuse, we can. We do no, have to I just talk feel some Weird.
1: NFL. It just feels weird that I'm going to talk Seahawks Broncos.
0: Well, that's on top of mind because it was the last thing we saw last night. And it was on Channel 9, so I sat there and watched the whole thing and waiting to go on the air. And I was just hoping I had no dog in the fight. I was just hoping we weren't going to see overtime last night. Uh, And we didn't. It was uh, you know one point game and uh, just a strange finish to that game. It started strange. I brought this up on Bridge Street today. Fans can buy tickets. They they can they can do whatever they want. But the the booing of Russell Wilson to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it's played there for ten years. I mean, he was really involved in the community. He gave him a Super Bowl. The two trips to the Super Bowl, nine years he was a Pro Bowl selection. It just it seems strange to me that after ten years and everything he did for that city, including a Super Bowl, that they would boo him. I, I just don't understand it.
1: Yeah. People are weird, Steve. People are horrible. I learned that uh looking at our Q Sports Talk channel. <laughs> they will boo you. They will boo anybody no matter what you do for them. They will look for people look for the negative.
0: I don't understand it, and, and you know, if like I again, you don't want to cheer for him, or like maybe as he comes onto the field, little, you know, if any fans should be booing, small applause, but it should be the Broncos fan, yeah, right. So it it started strange last night with that for me anyway, yeah. and then the the game ended weird. I mean, I know you didn't watch the game, but you know, I, I'm sure that you've seen the highlights, yeah. and and you you know what happened. So there, you know, Russell Wilson is driving for the the game winning field goal. In the final minute, it's a fourth and five, and there's about 40 seconds on the clock. Clock is running, and instead of running a play, instead of calling a timeout and running a play, they let the clock wind down. They call timeout so that they can kick a 64-yard field goal, which would have been the second longest in NFL history. No good. They lose the game. Let me ask you something, Steve.
1: I, I commented on this yesterday with Coach Baber's press conference, where he said, we watched what happened prior to on in football prior to us going out and playing UConn. And we saw what happened and we know that we got to go out and play our best game because you can lose. There's a ton of upsets Were the Broncos and their coaching staff, not watching what happened in the NFL all week Yeah, with kickers. And you're going to let it ride on a, Sixty-four yarder, is that
0: what it was? Sixty four yarder. Yeah, you know, come and, on, give and, me a break. You know, Al in our chat here brings up a good point and, and good comment. He says, Giants coach, Broncos coach, you know, rolled the dice. One's a hero, one's a zero. Um Brian Dable played to win. I, I don't know if you could say that about Nathaniel Hackett. I guess technically he played to win because he's he's kicking a sixty four yard field goal, but the 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 gutsy thing to do there, the playing to win is going forward on fourth and five with your franchise quarterback isn't, and Russell Wilson. Isn't
1: that a safer bet? A
0: 64 yard field goal? No, isn't oh, that a safer bet I to get five so. yards? I would think so. And again, if you watch the game, you know, I realize the Broncos had trouble actually scoring, but twice they gave up the ball right around the goal line. They had trouble finishing drives, they were not having trouble moving the ball. I mean, Russell Wilson threw for. 350 or whatever it was through the air. I mean, they were not having trouble moving the ball. You got him for a reason. Like right. It's not like Geno Smith was your quarterback, who, by the way, Geno Smith played great. It's Russell Wilson, fourth and five, essentially to win the game. If you pick up those five yards, if you pick up the first down there, you, you assume that you're going to get in, in field goal range, like real legitimate field goal range. You kick the field goal, the game's over, and you win the game. Um, to me, Nathaniel Hackett didn't play to win last night. Here's his thoughts on why he did what he did. Fourth and six for me during that time. We had been just moving it slightly. Uh, they weren't moving it with big chunks. I think we had just given up a sack right before that. Uh, so wanted to be sure that we took a chance when we had a chance. And I felt confident in, in, in him. It was 64 yards. Was it wasn't 54 yards? Even 54 yards are like, you know, I get that. I get 55 and in. I mean, that's to ask your kicker to make a 64-yard kick outdoors. It, I mean, in a
1: week where kickers <laughs> right. missed everything. Well, I don't know how
0: much that played into it. <laughs> no, but,
1: but you got to see. You got to realize, like, you should look at like what's happening around you. Like
0: kickers are struggling. I think you have. I think you. And it's easy for me to say. I'm not not the head coach of an NFL team, but the way I look at it is, what gives you the best chance to win? And before that even happened. And again, I think everybody had the same thoughts like I was I, I told you this I, I saw on social media today the the Manning cast and and Eli and Peyton were both like like Peyton's like time out call time out call time like what are they doing? <laughs> Eli's like, uh maybe they're trying to draw them off so I don't know what they're trying to do like I think everybody had the same thought which was there's plenty of time. They had three timeouts. Now, I'm not suggesting that if they had, you know, not gotten the fourth down, they could have gotten the ball back and scored. That probably wouldn't have happened. But you could draw up a play that's going to get you five yards. Five yards. It's five yards. What gives you the best chance to win? You know, my thought is again, you've got Russell Wilson as your quarterback you know, and you had been moving the ball, you know, in Nathaniel Hackett saying, Well, they had just sacked us. You got Russell Wilson. Pick up five yards. Know, Use your best two point conversion play. Get that first down. And then kick the game-winning field goal. You know
1: they have those charts of whether you go for two, yeah, or you don't, and you know where is sixty-four?
0: Like, I feel like you don't discuss. I'm not even sure that's 64. on the chart. Yes, <laughs> that's not on the chart because it's it, it. There's only been one field goal longer than that in history. It's not on the chart, Paulie. So, um,
1: and I was anyway. t- I was goofing with you prior to the to the show, like. Are we gonna hear that the balls are like you know baseball? They say juice balls. Are we gonna hear balls are slippery this year or something that the kickers are missing everything?
0: It was an odd first weekend in that regard. Yeah, a lot of strange things happened, including in your game.
1: Yeah, it was bonkers. Yeah, they were all. It, it was a crazy weekend. It was a good weekend for the Giants, though. I'm I'm kind of happy for Giants fans because you could see the
0: light at the end of the tunnel now for them. Yeah, and I, I just. I to me, it's week one, and you want to establish a certain tone, right? And I think that – and it's easy to say because they won the game, but I, I think that the players – it would still would have had the same effect and impact on the players if they go for two and lose. Yes. That my coach believes in me, and we're here to win. And I – I don't know. Like, I just – I didn't get that that same sense with Nathaniel Hackett. Like, he had the chance to, yes. to essentially do the same thing. It's like, if you're Russell Wilson –
1: you gotta be thinking like, what am I doing here? Like I'm here to pick up six yards. That's
0: my job. The, that point came up on uh, on ESPN Radio this morning. I was listening to to Max and and Jason Williams and and Keyshawn, and the point came up that you know they compared it to. Aaron Rodgers, you know, getting told that they're going to kick a field goal instead of go for a touchdown. And he's, you know, taking off his helmet and steaming on the sideline and, you know, upset and angry. And And the point was brought up last night that Russell Wilson just took his helmet off and was just kind of like, you know, well, you don't know what he's, with it. You don't well, know what know, he's thinking know. in his head. But I know, but like, I'm, I'm saying that that was brought up last night, that he didn't. they felt like he didn't fight for you know or like a pitcher that doesn't want to get pulled from a game yeah. say i want you know i want i want this guy i you know i could get this guy out everybody emotes differently i get it i get it um but it just it wasn't a good look all the way around you know yes. they had a chance to to play to win and they instead they tried for what seems like you know a desperate type measure another
1: interesting thing that we can ask John Schmelk in our next uh, segment is daniel jones played good very good right Not great. Played very good. But if he keeps doing that all season, it's going to put them in a real weird situation at the end of the year, right? Like, if he plays like he did on Sunday, every game, he's going to be good enough. But is he good enough to stay? Like, what the hell does he have to do? It's a good question. He threw one bad pick in that game, in the end zone. But, I mean, he played good enough to win. Yeah, is In that Saquon has something to do with that? And as is well. that
0: good enough to keep your job? Well, that's uh that's a good question. And why don't you we ask, ask it? Why don't we ask our next guest? Uh, John Schmelk, reporter host for the New York Giants, joins us next as we continue the NFL talk right after this. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportstalk.com. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Orange Nation. Uh, Eddie Money, the artist of the day, is uh, anniversary of his passing. I guess is how you would say that. We celebrate his life. I want to go back. This one called. It's a jam right
2: here.
1: I might sing along with this one. You know what? I like Eddie Money. I can tell you're like into it today. He, he would make my uh, top uh, 25 power rankings, I think, maybe. Would he? Yeah, top I 25? I don't know. I don't know. I'm lying.
0: That's a bold statement. Although, <laughs> apparently, he was a, a legend in Syracuse. Sy- yes, he was. Which I did not know. Um, all right. Good segue, though, into uh, our next segment. So, uh, we we do this every week during the NFL season. Uh, top five, bottom five NFL power rankings. So, I like doing this early in the season because you can go a lot of different ways. Like, I feel like once we get into, like, week 10, it's pretty much... Locked? It's Yeah. We pretty much know who the top five teams are or the bottom five teams for that matter. But there's a lot of wiggle room. Like, I think the Bears are ultimately a bottom five team. You can't put them in the bottom five, though. They no. they won. Um, America's team could be in the bottom five, though, Steve. Could be. I mean, that's, that, is a, that is a brutal injury. If he hadn't gotten hurt, I know that they didn't look good, but... The Bucks are a really good football team. But you lose like that, plus you lose Dak. That's, uh, yeah, as John Schmelke said, their season might be over, you know, a month and a half in.
1: You want to go uh, top five starting at five? Sure. Go ahead. Why don't you start? Uh, I was very impressed with the Chargers, my friend. Okay. I'm very AFC heavy.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: I think the AFC is going to be really good this year.
1: Uh, the Chargers, and they, they face the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs look really good, too. Uh, they face the Chiefs. Juice. By the way, did you see the odds of NFL MVP Pat Mahomes jumped Josh Allen after one week? I did not see that. Where did you see those odds? Uh, uh, on uh, the betting apps. Mahomes was better, apparently. It's, it's funny to- you should
0: say that because I actually looked last night to try and see just that, and I could not find it on the, on the various apps. Yeah. Did you actually see it? Did yeah. You yes, have to I show did. me during the commercial. Uh, I will. But, um. Yeah, Pat Mahomes
1: uh, jumped him. That it just it's means only, it's,
0: that's better value now on Josh only, Allen. That's all. that means. One, they they both played great.
1: They did, but the Chiefs look good. But I'm going Chargers at number five, Steve.
0: All right. Um. So the Vikings looked really good. I can't quite put them in the top five because I don't think the Vikings are a top five team, but I just wanted to give the Vikings honorable mention. Yeah, others receiving votes. The, the Rams are in my others receiving votes category as well because, again, I know they, they lost, lost the game. They lost the greatest team I, ever assembled. Yes, yes exactly. We know. But I, I think the Rams are going to be just fine. I think the Rams will be a top five team. So they're, they're honorable mention. They're others receiving votes. I put the Eagles at, at number five, and some of this is the fact that they won, but some of this is the fact that their division now looks like it's theirs. Right, I mean the Cowboys. I, I don't think the Cowboys are winning that division, and I don't think the the Washington football team or the Giants are quite ready to win that division. I think I think the Eagles are winning the NFC East, so I I put them at number five. They played well, and everything that happened, you know, with with Dak and the Cowboys, and they. I think the Cowboys were certainly their their toughest competitor in the division. Now that they're kind of by the wayside, uh, it opens things up for the Eagles. So I got Philly at five.
1: They may have beaten one of the worst teams in the NFL, Steve. But last year, the team I said don't sleep on lost in the Super Bowl. I know Bowl. you're high on the Ravens, and I'm going with the Ravens at number tw- at number four, Steve. Is they they beat they did what they had to do. They went out and beat a terrible team. I like the Ravens.
0: Wasn't it an overly impressive performance? But yeah. I know you're very high on the Ravens this you year. You don't
1: need to. You don't need to put your full effort out against. Joe Flacco at 90 and the Jets.
0: So I'm going with the Ravens. I put uh, the Chargers at four. You already touched on all the reasons why, but I I think the Chargers are really good. You know, you mentioned Mahomes and and Allen, and Justin Herbert's going to be right up there in terms of best quarterbacks in the AFC. Um, We've discussed it on the show. The AFC is loaded with great quarterbacks. Uh, I put the Chargers at four.
1: All right, Steve, uh, moving right along. They didn't put up a lot of points against the Cowboys but they did what they had to do they're the best team in the NFC I think they're going to come in at number three on my my uh, power ranking the Buccaneers the fighting Tom Brady's and you know what I kind of I'm going to give them a little bit of a a bump because they they may have just crushed one of the most insufferable fan bases in the history of sports the Dallas Cowboys so so that gives them a couple extra points in my power rankings.
0: If you uh if you go unbiased with your number 1 pick then we're going to have the same top 3 here. Um the Bucks are number 3 for me as well and you know you said offensively they weren't all that impressive and you're right defensively though yes. they're really good. And you know the offense is going to yeah. come around and it's Brady and and they'll figure it out. Um yeah, the Bucks are the best team in the NFC.
1: All right, number Who's two. Who's number two? This,
0: this is where I need to know if it's Chiefs or Bills here for you.
1: Number two, I uh, we probably have the same two and one. I'm going with the Chiefs, okay. and I have a feeling they will probably be in this position most of the season, and I think the Bills will be in the position most of the season, too. One and two, so I'll go. The Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Sean, he's uh, – the best quarterback in the AFC still, and someone's going to have to steal that crown from him. I'm glad you did the right thing there. That, that is the right thing. That is putting your biases aside. No, because this is my, like, uh, this is going down uh, on paper. Like, this is official. Uh, if I was just busting chops, I'd have you crying in the corner. Right? I, I, okay, but, okay. But This is this represents me. I don't want to embarrass myself.
0: No, you would never want to yeah, do I'd that. I'd
1: embarrass you, but not myself. You never
0: embarrass yourself, Paulie. No. Um yeah, Chiefs are, are two and I, I don't think there's any question that the Bills are they look like the best team in the NFL. It's one week, but they were the favorites coming in for a reason and and they showed why on Thursday night and um yeah, Bills are number 1. Uh
1: all-time power power rankings number 1 Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> of course. Of just, course. Just throw that out there.
0: All right, since you brought up the Steelers, how how have your expectations changed again? One game, have your expectations changed yeah, over one game?
1: No, their defense is really good. We knew that coming in. Now one guy's hurt. Their offense is if their offense plays halfway decent, they're gonna win a lot of games and sneak in the playoffs again. The Steelers are gonna steal it. They're not. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year, but they have the potential to win games. They also have potential to lose a lot of games. So how do you handicap that division they're in? Their division's tough to figure out. Yeah, I, I'll never. Until the Bengals start doing it regularly, I'm never going to say they're, you know, good. And the Ravens are always going to be tough, and the Browns are going to brown.
0: So where would you put them in the pecking order? they third? Steelers second. third? They're second? Second or third. Second behind the Ravens? Yeah. Ahead of the Bengals? Yes. Wow. Okay. It's confidence in your team. Uh, all right. Do you want to go to the bottom? Yes.
1: I do, Steve.
0: That's- okay.
1: That's where the trash hangs out at yeah. the bottom. So are we starting at right uh, in here? We starting at 28 or are we starting sure. at 32? Let's start at 28 and work our way to 32. See how close we are on these. Uh a team that likes to live at the bottom, I have at 28, Steve. But they they lost a close one. And I'm going to put uh the Detroit Football Lions, the fighting Wayne Fonts.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's tough because you can't put you can't put the Bears in there because no. they won, and I want to put the Bears in there. So the Bears are in my honorable mention. Others receiving votes. I think ultimately they're they're going to end up in the others bottom five. Not
1: receiving votes is that what it would be?
0: Yeah, right. Um, man, I'm I'm torn be- between the Lions and the Panthers, and I, I yeah, I'm going to put the Lions at, at 28. I think, I think you're right. I think the Lions are, are 28. I think the Panthers are just on the outside looking in. You know what? My, my next
1: pick at 29 may get a couple eye rolls, but they're done. Stick a fork in America's team. I'm putting the uh, Dallas Cowboys at 29. They're going to be awful if Dak Prescott's out more than four weeks.
0: I'm going to put the Falcons... Uh, at 29, and again, I, I think that they they looked better and played better against the Saints than most expected, but I think this is more so, again, a, a projection of where they're going to be or where they really are, uh, results aside. So they lost the game. It was maybe a little bit closer than we expected, um, but I'm still going to put them in the bottom five at, at 29.
1: Bad year to be a football fan in the state of Texas, Steve. I'm going to put the Texans.
0: Same. At number 30. Because I think we have to have Jags and Jets as the two worst teams.
1: Yes, look at that. Our top two and our bottom two are the exact same.
0: Yeah. Jags 31, Jets 32. Yeah. And the Jags played a little bit better than I think we expected. They still lost, though, and they're still the Jags. So, are there you, you have
1: it. All right. I know it was one game in a mushy, swampy Trey Lance.
0: Where, where are you at So... I did not watch that game. They legitimately. But I saw the weather and they took him over the other quarterback in that game. How? How? What do you mean they took him over the other quarterback? Overfield. Oh, okay. oh, oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant uh, there was a coaching decision in that game. I yes. And l- listen, Niners lost their starting running back to injury. That's something to keep your eye on as well as things move along. Um I know a lot of people are not they it's like you either think Trey Lance is going to be awesome, or you think you're going to think he's you think he's going to be awful. I feel like there's no in between with Trey Lance. Like when you listen to the analyst talk, it's either oh yeah, he's going to be he's going to be great. He didn't throw the ball in college, right?
1: It's really a bizarre. Like I I could see running a flyer on him, but man, they they have gone all in
0: on that. I watched a— uh, They're a pretty storied franchise. I don't even remember what show it was, but it was—I uh, it was I don't know, it was late at night one night, and I was watching ESPN, and it was one of those betting shows, and they were doing the over-unders for each team, and the panelists picked, you know, teams to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. And three of the four said they didn't think the Niners were going to make the playoffs, and because of Trey Lance. Yes. I, may so, have, I may have touched a nerve with Kevin from Liverpool. He's, about the Cowboys? Uh, yeah,
1: Cowboys help. Yeah. How far are the Steelers going to get with Mitch? They've got to win, bro. they got to win against the AFC champs. Thank you. It's only week one. That, that you can move up in the power rankings. You can move down.
0: It's power rankings. It's not standings. I do feel bad for Cowboys fans. Because I don't. it's not it's like, They're horrible people. <laughs> they're not horrible people. Some of my favorite people are Cowboys fans.
1: Oh, Nick Maine, Nick Maine, yeah. Chris
0: McManus is a big Cowboys oh, fan. Right. Sal is a big Cowboys Man, fan. Could you name more obnoxious people? No, they're they're some of my best friends, and I feel bad for them because the they were worst. excited Cowboys, about this season, and just like that, Cow, they're uh, Cowboys looks,
1: fans are the worst. No, no, no. Uh, they may be good people outside of football fandom, but yeah, no. if uh, I had a. I say that about the Steelers fans too, Steve. If I, I'm not watching a Steelers game with a Steelers fan, I'm not watching a Cowboys game with a Cowboys
0: fan. But is there it's is there obnoxious. is there any fan base that's not obnoxious if it's not your fan because you think Bills fans are obnoxious. Yeah, Jets fans are obnoxious too. <laughs> well,
1: Giants fans are kind of just normal. I don't mind really? Giants yeah, I don't mind Giants fans, Jacksonville fans. Jacksonville
0: fans. Do you know any Jacksonville fans? <laughs> yeah, no, but I think they're, sure not they're nice people they're not threatening <laughs> because their team fans, isn't very good.
1: Browns fans just cry. Yeah. Chargers fans, I know a bunch of them. They're not obnoxious. Is it because they're not threatening?
0: I feel bad for them. Is their they're team's nothing. not very good usually.
1: Dallas or Yankee
0: fan, more obnoxious. That's a very close battle. Duke fan. Why? And, and why, why do you hate Cowboys fans or Yankees fans? Because their franchises win a lot.
1: No. No, no. I say that about, like, I, the Steelers fans, or I'm not, they went a lot too. Yes, I get that. But like, I can't stand watching games with my fellow Steelers fans.
0: Okay, I just feel like it's teams that are not threatening to you. You're like, oh, I'm fine with that fan. Like Milwaukee Brewers fans. Like you don't, you don't care about Brewers fans. You do care about Yankees no, fans. I would say You do this. care about Dodgers the fans. The Cardinals
1: win all the time, and their fan base is amazing. What amazing. makes them amazing? They they show up, they're there, they they're knowledgeable, they're great. I you know. Louisville fans in basketball are great fans. They boo every ref call, but they're great fans. They get it. All right, I'll take your word for it. Bills fans just are nuts. Not my cup of tea. I'm not jumping through a table. Nuts. In okay, in the in the table yeah, kind yeah, of way, they're just not. You can't bring your kids around Bills fans. I'm not. I'm not bringing a. If I had kids, if someone was dumb enough to make children with me, I've told you, I I've, would not bring my kids to a Bills. i I've,
0: I've told you about my first experience with my son Luke at a Bills game. I took him to a Bills Bengals game when he was like nine. It didn't go. I was regretting yeah, the decision yeah, as soon yeah, as no I, way. as, soon no as way. I sat down, I was regretting the decision. Yeah, you gotta decision. be 18 to go to a Bills yeah. game. So I, I'm not gonna disagree <laughs> with you there. We gotta take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one next on ESPN radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on Q SportsTalk.com. <laughs> Hour number two of Orange
1: Nation underway, Steve. We're celebrating the life of Eddie Money as our bump back music today. This one's called Think I'm in Love off of No Control in 1983, number 11 on the Billboard chart.
0: All right, let's uh, kick off our number two by going right back to our guest line. He is the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers, Tim Newton, our guest on the show. Tim, thanks for coming on. How are you today?
2: I'm doing just fine. How are you guys today?
0: Uh, we're great we're great so let's let's start with uh, with Purdue's first two games and we all watched the the Penn State game a, a game that you know frankly they they probably should have won um they, they let it slip away and Purdue, you know Penn State came down and, and scored late to, to steal that game 35-31 and then they you know hammer a, a, an FCS opponent in Indiana State what what do you take from these first two games what has stood out to you from these first two games for Purdue
2: Well, I don't think there's any question that uh, Purdue's offense is going to revolve around Aiden O'Connell and his success at quarterback, and I think we've seen a little bit of a revelation in the first two games with with Charlie Jones, who's a transfer from Iowa. Caught 21 passes all of last season. He's caught 21 passes in Purdue's first two games, including four touchdowns, and uh, those guys knew each other back. They played youth football together in the Chicago area. And, uh, Jones went to Iowa and really was, was underutilized in their offense, although he's a great special teams player. And so, uh, that's been the big connection on the offensive side. Defensively, I think they've been okay. It's, it's hard to take anything out of the game last week against Indiana State because it was such a mismatch. But I thought for the most part, uh, they held up pretty well against Penn State in the opener. And, and you mentioned Purdue probably outplayed Penn State for 56 of the 60 minutes, but the last two minutes of each half, were 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 killers and Purdue was outscored twenty one nothing in those four minutes.
0: Yeah, kind of a fluky touchdown at the end of that first half changed the momentum, and and then as you said, they, they go down and Penn State scores late to, to win it. What, what were the feelings coming out of that game? You know about what this season could be for Purdue. Again, won nine games a year ago. There were you know some high hopes coming in, and to lose in that fashion, did they take some positives away from it? Because they're you know they're right there against Penn State, and again probably outplayed them as you said for fifty six minutes. Or is it you know more so you know they let one get away and and I mean I, I guess how did they react? to that loss
2: Uh, it's probably a mixed bag i think that it was certainly a game they felt that that slipped away and it was a game that really could have propelled something maybe special for the 2022 season i mean this is a team that feels like it can contend for the big 10 west championship um and uh you know that it's not it's not over after one conference game but it was a game that really would have been great to have in your hip pocket as a win uh, but I, I think there were, so, there were so many positives out of that game that you, they, they were able to build some momentum out of it. Um, I think the, the play, you know, for years since Jeff Brom has gotten here as a head coach, which is back in 2017, one of the biggest problems on both sides of the ball has been depth on the line, on both the offensive and defensive lines. And in that opener, now you, typically you'll see this in a, in a blowout game like they had last week, but in the opener, in a one-possession game, they played 12 different defensive linemen and eight different offensive linemen. And there didn't seem to be a big drop-off in any of those when, when those units came in. So I think that was a positive, knowing that they had depth that could play against a team that's probably going to be a top-25 team here before it's all said and done. So uh, some positives, but certainly a game that you felt like Purdue should have had and, and could have had, and, and uh, now you have to make that one up somewhere on the schedule.
0: And, and you look at this schedule, uh, Tim, and you know there's no Michigan State, no Ohio State, no Michigan um, you know, if they could get this one against Syracuse and, and move to two and one, I mean, it, it still could be a, a really good season. I, how big is this game? Does this feel like a, a pivotal game in the 2022 season for the Boilermakers? Even though it's so early,
2: yeah, I think especially having lost that Penn State game, you certainly don't want to start this year off at one and two. And you know, their non-conference games: Indiana State last week is an FCS team, and then next week they play Florida Atlantic, which is not a Power Five team, although it's, a, it's got a really good offense. Uh, so this is the only non-conference game against the Power Five school. So th- th- from that aspect, it becomes pretty important. But it's also the first game away from home, and it's a chance to build some momentum. They, their biggest games are coming up in early October in terms of conference schedule. They uh, they start at Minnesota in October, then they go to Maryland, have Nebraska in West Lafayette, and then play at uh Wisconsin. And those four games are going to determine whether Purdue can contend. And I think certainly going in with some positive momentum with three straight wins would be a big boost going into that October schedule.
0: Dino Babers addressed the media yesterday as he does every Monday. Uh, He was very... Complimentary of Aiden O'Connell and said that, you know, he might be the best quarterback that, that Syracuse sees this season. And they've got a lot of great quarterbacks on the schedule uh, here, especially in the ACC conference. Uh, what makes this young man so good, so dangerous? And, you know, what, what kind of skill set does he have that, you know, we're going to be seeing him play on Sunday someday?
2: Well, he's one of the great stories, I think, in college football because he came to Purdue as a walk on. Uh, his only uh opportunity to play was in division three at wheaton college where his brother had played and he decided because he wanted to be a coach he decided he would rather go walk on at a big 10 program and try to learn college coaching from the inside of a big program rather than go and, and play at a smaller school he started off as the ninth string quarterback as a walk-on and eventually through attrition and through graduation he moved his way up and uh, he, the one thing I heard, even when he was in a fourth and fifth string position is the receivers would talk about what a great thrower he was. This guy is as accurate or more accurate than anybody else we have on the team. And, and, you know, you thought, well, maybe that's his friends just saying that. And then you see him in practice and you watch him. He, he, this guy can throw, he can make all the throws. He's six he's two ten, but he's, he's tough. He can, he can take a hit, not real mobile, uh, but he's able to, to to kind of sense the rush and move around in the pocket. But, Um, he, I think the biggest thing about him is his calmness and his ability to see the field. Um, you know, he just turned 24, uh, the night that they, they played Penn state. So he's been around a while and he's a mature guy. He got married in the off season to a a former volleyball standout at Purdue. So, you know, he's kind of got it going on, on and off the field. And I think he's going to wind up, uh, somewhere on an NFL roster next year.
0: You mentioned uh, Charlie Jones at the top of this interview. Uh, who are the other weapons on, on that side of the football that, that the Syracuse defense needs to be concerned with?
2: Uh, well, the receiver spot is a little bit up in the air because they've got a g- couple of guys of have been banged up. But uh, one guy that you'll see, I think, lining up in different places on the field is another Iowa transfer, a guy named Tyrone Tracy. Um, he's a kid from Indianapolis, decided to go over and play for Kirk Ferentz, but uh, wanted to take his last year back in his home state. You'll see him lined up at times in the backfield. Uh, you'll see him lined up in the slot. They may run some jet sweeps or end arounds with him. And so uh, he's a guy that, that I think could be a, a factor on uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, Mershawn Rice has been a guy that uh, has had a hard time staying healthy at Purdue, but when he has been healthy, he's been very productive. He's a six-two receiver. He's got good hands. And, uh, you know, he's somebody that can stretch the field a little bit. In terms of the running backs, uh, King Daru is the, the starting running back. Um, he's a dependable guy. He's got uh, three touchdowns already this season, not a breakaway runner. Um, they really don't have a breakaway threat in, in the running back position. But one guy to keep an eye on, we saw on uh, Saturday, carry the ball 13 times as a walk-on, kid named Devin Mockaby, uh who's really kind of come out of nowhere here. In, in this, uh, is, he's a redshirt freshman, so this is his second year in the program. And, uh, he's a guy that actually could, could see the ball a little bit on uh, Saturday. The other guy I think that has been underutilized the first two games that I think will be more of a factor this week is the tight end. Uh, Payne Durham has 13 touchdown catches in his career, but he's only caught four passes this year, and I know they'd like to get him more involved in the offense, especially down the middle of the field.
0: Tim, what are your impressions of of Syracuse? Uh, you know, two games in, and, and they beat we, we thought uh, was a pretty good Louisville team, and then Louisville you know went on the road and beat Central Florida, uh, and then they they obviously had their way with a, a UConn team that's rebuilding. Uh, but the offense has looked a lot better than than it did a year ago. What are your impressions of of Syracuse to this point?
2: Well, I saw a good part of that game against Louisville, and I was really impressed on both sides of the ball. I thought Schrader was very uh, sure of himself back in the pocket. You know he's got a great running back that he can give the ball to, but I thought he spread the ball around the field pretty well, and I was really impressed with their offense. Very impressed with their defense. I thought they had Louisville confused most of the night, um, put a lot of pressure on Cunningham and made him uncomfortable. So it's been a really solid group. And uh, you know Dino Babers coached here at Purdue. He was an assistant coach here from '91 to '93. I actually knew Dino a little bit while he was here, and um, it doesn't surprise me that he's got that team rolling again this year. And uh, it's it's going to be a real test. It's it's Purdue's first road game, first dome game they've played since Jeff Brown's first game back in 2017. So uh, we'll see if they handle the noise fairly well on Saturday.
0: How do you think defensively they'll approach that Syracuse offense? Because you know last year it was all Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader had a really difficult time moving the ball through the air. You know this year Sean Tucker's still doing his thing, but Schrader has shown that he can. Uh, you know, connect on the deep ball and they can move the ball uh, down the field with the passing game. Um, Do you expect the Purdue defense to key in on Sean Tucker in that run game or or do you think they'll, you know, they'll play for a little more balance?
2: Well, I think job one, when you play in the Big Ten, you always have to stop the run. You know, you think in in terms of October and November when the weather starts to get bad here and uh, teams like Wisconsin and and Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio State—those teams that you're going to have to beat year in and year out—you're out. you're going to have to stop the run. So I think that's going to be job one. But uh, no, I think they'll be very, very respectful of, of Syracuse's passing game. I will say, I think Purdue's front line um, has been, is really solid. They can go three deep at every position, so they can keep fresh bodies out there. Um, the guys in the secondary have been a little bit banged up, but they seem to get be getting into health now at the right time. Corey Trice is probably the best cornerback, and so you'll probably see him moved around in the field, uh, depending on maybe who the hot receiver is for Syracuse on Saturday, but um, it's a good secondary, uh, good up front. They're a little bit questionable at the linebacker spot right now. Uh, Jalen Graham, who probably is the best defensive player, is out right now uh, for the next few weeks with an injury, so uh, they're going to have to cover his uh, his track Saturday, but um, it's, it's going to be a challenge. It'll probably be as good a challenge, if not a better one, than Purdue faced against Penn State.
0: All right, Tim, last one for you. Uh, how do you think this game plays itself out come Saturday afternoon?
2: I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a game that goes down to the fourth quarter. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, this, maybe this is a game that's decided in special teams, and Purdue has an outstanding field goal kicker. I know that Syracuse does as well. Uh, but I, I have a feeling it's either going to be a late turnover or a late uh, special teams play that's going to decide it. Um, I'm just I'm excited about this because I grew up about three hours away. Uh, I, I grew up in Western New York, and and my dad just turned 87 last week, and he's going to come out with my brother, and uh, we're going to get together Friday night, and then uh, watch the game on Saturday. So uh, I'm, I'm familiar with the Syracuse program growing up, and uh, looking forward to being back in my in my home territory for a couple days.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, uh, listen, it was a pleasure catching up with you. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy the trip here and, and spending some time with your family, and we'll see you inside the Dome come Saturday at noon.
2: Okay. Thanks for having me. All
0: right, Tim Newton, the uh, play-by-play man, voice of the Purdue Purdue Boilermakers. And with that, we'll take a timeout, 315 437 Stephen Bailey coming up on the show in about 15 minutes. Back after this on ESPN Radio.